Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. It was neat to see you play, and it's fun to talk to you all these years later because you played with a lot of joy and you played with passion. And I've seen Dan Dicko hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. Well, you know, I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. I think there were a lot of kids who looked at Dan Dickow and said, Dan Dickow can play at this level, I can play at this level. Welcome to another episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, and SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network. Unique conversations throughout the world of sports, usually basketball. Today's is a very unique and very interesting one. I think our listeners are going to find a lot of insight into how sports, and in particular college basketball, gets covered by newspapers, uh, not only in the Northwest, but across the country uh, somebody who's made an imprint on the Spokane community in a short amount of time, the editor of the Spokesman Review, Rob Curley. Rob, great to have you on today. Oh, lo- love that you asked. Well, let's jump right into it. Um, you're an editor of a newspaper, and you also love college basketball. That doesn't necessarily always go hand in hand. Um, how did you get to have interest in journalism? and then grow into having the ability to be an editor and then use that with your love of sports to kind of really kind of have a unique experience in that space. So a couple of questions that intersect that, 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 that will, will help explain how, how this, the, all the nerdery happened. So I have wanted to be uh, work at newspapers since I was in the third grade. So, so uh, which means I've, I've had no luck with women since I was 11. And, uh, but my love of sports begins even earlier than that. My, my grandfather was a massive University of Kansas sports fan and season tickets to everything. And, and because I was the grandson that lived in the same town as him, um, him and my father and myself got to go to a lot of these games. So I was, you know, I was kind of growing up in that world. And, and you know, at one point, our season tickets were right next to uh, Jojo White, you know, which was totally weird, you know? Uh, so it was just an, it, I just grew up being around college basketball and, and it was well because my parents, my, my, my father, we also really loved smaller college basketball, like division two, you know, but at that time it wasn't called that. It was called NAIA and we would, and the NAIA national championship was always in Kansas city at Kemper arena. And you just take off three days and watch basketball from nine in the morning until midnight. And it would be the greatest thing you've ever done. So I just always loved that. And, and, and so, uh, and because of, of that love, I, I read it like crazy. I was re- always reading it in my local newspapers who covered it very differently than other newspapers because in, in Kansas, especially at this time, basketball was everything. And, and, you know, I was a kid who would ask for, for when they'd ask what you want for Christmas, I would say a, a, a subscription to Sports Illustrated so I could read more sports writing. So that's kind of how all of that intersects. 
uh, I came up in journalism as a sports writer and, and just, and when I made when I first made it into a newspaper's newsroom, I was on the news side, not on the sports side, uh, full time. And, but I knew enough about sports that whenever big things would happen, like when Wilt Chamberlain came back to Kansas for, you know, for the first time, because when he left it, well, he wasn't great. Um, uh, I was the person that got to write all the news stories for the front page and all that sort of stuff because they needed somebody who could kind of bridge that gap. And so I, that's, I was just always lucky and I just loved it. So, so that, you know, it was interesting. I then became, when I became an editor, I just started covering things the way I would have wanted as a fan for them to be covered. So it meant it was, it was a little different. So how about Allen Fieldhouse? How amazing of a, arena is it i've never been there it's one of the few places that uh i've always wanted to play at and now as a broadcaster i want to get a chance to call a game at um give us your description of allen fieldhouse so when you drive up on it 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 just it's it's just a big rock building it's 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 uh it doesn't look impressive at all i mean it just looks like an old building on a college campus and and you know if it, you know, I've seen it through all the different eras because they've done lots and lots of renovations, but they never added more seating or, you know, they always kind of kept the charm of it. And you're kind of right on top of each other. I mean, you have to understand Allen Fieldhouse was built because the University of Kansas had recruited this amazing player who was considered the best uh, high school player in the nation. His name was Wilt Chamberlain. And they were trying to build a place that would be able to hold the fans. So this was a, it was an old arena that could hold 16, 17,000 people. And uh, it, it, what you feel when you walk in there is this sense of nostalgia and all this history. And it just, it, it, it's wild because there are so many uh, schools that had these classic old arenas that tore them down and they never did. And at some point it went from being old and gross to being a church and, and you know it's weird I, I don't even know when that intersection would have happened uh but now it's it's glorious you know they and and it's the ultimate home court advantage i mean there's a reason why whenever you read things in sports illustrator espn about the, the the five best places to watch a game in the world allen fieldhouse always makes it well when you first drive up to it and walk into it you're probably going to go this place you know it's really what the people do inside of it but they also you know, they built this museum for when you walk in or even like when you're the opposing team and you walk in to explain the the, the history and everything and it's just it just overwhelms you uh, so it's really it's a powerful place to watch a game it's really loud it's really fun the students it, the students are just like at the kennel they're, they're right on top of the other team it's really fun and and uh, uh it's just it's a it's an amazing place to watch a game but you don't go there for comfort I love how you describe it went from kind of new to grimy to then cleaned up and being a church. I just had a chance to call a game uh, for Westwood One Radio at, at Cameron Indoor Stadium uh, at Duke. And I talked to Jay Billis before the game as, as, you know, he was calling it for ESPN. And we talked for a bit um, and he was like, look, have you been to, to Cameron before? And I said, I've been there once. And this was when I was in college at University of Washington. We had a practice there. And he goes, the changes that have occurred are monumental, similar to what you're talking about with Kansas. He said, Jay said, when I was playing there, they had uh, windows in the top. And if it was a daytime game, you would, the sunlight would be coming down. It was dirty. It was grimy. And now Cameron is just like you described Allen Fieldhouse. 
It's a church. It's got museums in the front. It's got uh, all the history that you could imagine. Um, and so I can picture that and I can imagine that. And I can't wait to get back there at some point. Now, you're someone who you mentioned you love college basketball. You love journalism. You're trying to figure out your path and, and, and how you can kind of maybe tie those two together. You're also someone who's got a really good uh, technology background. And you've shared with me in the past how you built a college basketball database right kind of at the start of, of uh, you know, Internet websites. And it caught yeah. the eye of Bill Self at some point. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, so uh, when I was uh, in Lawrence, uh, I got to go back. I worked all over the country and then I got to go back home and work at the Lawrence Journal World which was really funny because I had been working at really big places and now I was going to this really small place and people didn't understand I was doing it because I wanted to build websites for this area. And, and we built this website called KUSports.com that then quickly becomes named the best sports site in the world. It beats ESPN. And it's because we were nuts. I mean, we, we, it was, we didn't have enough parental supervision. There wasn't anybody telling us what we could do and not do. So we, I mean, like for football, we were doing weird things like uh, we databased every box score for every game ever played. And so that means now you have statistical uh, things that you can do that no one's ever seen before because you could really, no one had ever databased that stuff uh, this early on in the internet. For football games, we were, we were taking the, the, the college sports uh, Xbox game and, and, and having it run computer against computer to forecast how the game was going to go. And we would update the players' stats after every game so they'd be real. And then, you know, on the Friday before the game, we'd say, this is how it's going to happen, and here are the key plays of the game. <laughs> we were just – we had no supervision at all. So as a KU fan, um, it, it, I knew that all the other uh, Jayhawks, uh, we, we, we loved the, the team on the court, but we always wanted to know who was coming. So we would uh, – we began putting a database together of uh, the high school recruits and, and, and you know, this is before scorebook live or before uh, any of these sites were around. And, you know, we would try to call their coaches, Dan, for them to get the box scores. And, you know, after about the third time they were done with us. Uh, so we, we, you know, we're, we're not bad at getting things. So we, we found their, their mom's numbers. And we would call their moms after the games and we would fill it out. So we were having these weird, uh, you know, uh, we'd have this interesting relationship directly with, with, with the player's mom uh, or the player's father. And, you know, and it meant that they could say, and did you know that this is happening? And, no, we didn't know that, you know, it was a fascinating time. So we were building all of this stuff at the same time. Uh, and then, so when I first get there, Roy Williams is still the coach, and um, and and w without going into a lot of details, uh, I didn't like him. <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, and but on the other side, the football coach at KU, I I I you know I, I really thought a lot of him, and um, and uh, it didn't mean we weren't going to report bad things about the guy who did bad things, but you know I, I respected him, and one day he showed me how they were building how their program had built was using something for recruiting and it was fascinating to me because it was it was doing the things that we were doing 
only not as proficient as what we were doing. We understood what, what persistent search meant. This was before Google alerts, you know, we get set of Google. So we were, we were running our own persistent searches over these kids' hometown papers to look for arrest records and to look, I mean, we were looking for everything. So these things would pop up and we could do it better than they were doing it. And, and, and at, at some point, the, the athletic department realized what we were doing was better than what they were doing. And it funded, and it, and it wasn't in cahoots. They just realized we were giving, it was a resource they had never seen before. And, and, uh, and finally, when I, I left uh, Lawrence, you know, it was a, it was a fun talk with, with some people over there about how we had built it because clearly they would rather do it themselves than have <laughs> use the local newspapers. But that's how it kind of all started out. But I've been building sports websites forever before then, Dan. And that's why uh, I, I kind of knew how to build these databases. Uh, I, I could talk just enough nerd to get me in trouble. Want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare, dead stock, or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Well, it's you've got a huge passion for sports and college basketball in particular. And you continue to, to be an editor at a number of different newspapers. Uh, you've had you've been now in Spokane, I believe, for about four or five years or so. Yeah. When you came to Spokane as the editor of the newspaper, there was a big time shift in how Gonzaga basketball was covered. And yeah. I think you guys have done a tremendous job of, of covering Gonzaga. Why is that so important to you? And how does a, a very successful program like Gonzaga really impact the community through your lens as a, as a, you know, a journalist, as an editor? So it's interesting because, uh, you know, I also really love baseball and there's something in baseball called the sabermetrics. Uh, well, early on, I was using kind of a version of that for my journalism. I was seeing what people were reading on the web, but I was also using phone calls that we were making for decades to readers um, from our customer service departments to ask these sorts of questions. And it became clear that there were five things that were really driving people's love of, of, of content, whether it's on the web or not. And, and the number, it, it's, it's, is, is it passion? Do you, you do you understand what their passions are? Are you very good at practical things because their life is hard? Are you good at personal communication and making things feel very human? Are you playful? 
And do you understand what, what brings them pleasure? Well, the number one of those is passion. So I, before I got to Spokane, I had really done all my research and, and, and it was clear to me that Gonzaga was different than I had seen other private universities, uh, the relationship with the community. And I'll give you an example. If, if, if you go to Durham and you ask people, uh, you know, locals what they think of Duke, they're gonna be like, oh, that's, that's where the rich kids go, you know? Even when I was the editor in Orange County, um, I, I went to a, a, an event where the USC marching band was playing and everybody started booing. And I'm like, why are you booing? And they go, because that's where the rich kids go. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's so wild. So I began kind of looking at this. And, and when I get to Spokane, it wasn't like that. You would be seeing construction workers on the road wearing a, a, a helmet with the bulldog on it. And you would see these teachers who clearly didn't go to Gonzaga wearing Gonzaga shirts. And it was this moment when you could definitely understand that whether you lived on the South Hill or in Spokane Valley or north of town, that this was the uniter. It didn't matter what religion you were or what tax bracket you were or what color your skin were. This is the one thing that oddly united the town. And, and I could see that from outside the town, but once I was here, it really became obvious. So at that moment, you don't cover it uh, the way that you would before you know the, i think the season before i got here gonzaga made it to the sweet 16 and somebody joked that you know when we played pacific that year we had four times as much coverage as we had during the sweet 16 game you know and it was a game that you know gonzaga won by like 900 points you know so for for me it was like we're covering everything and doing it a lot differently and it's and and uh it's the understanding that the fans, you know, most newspapers, Dan, they just, they write a game story. They say, this is what happened. And so the score, well, if I ask any fan who was the leading scorer and what, they already know all that stuff. So newspapers were kind of writing, we should write different things. Like, like explain why this moment, this play shifted the, 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 the momentum and, and talk to the coaches about that. The players about that. Don't worry about who was the high scorer. Like, why did this one thing work? Um, those sorts of things, um, are what really motivate me. I love that stuff. Uh, so, so that became, and then, and then I also realized that you could, there was this news part that you could do that would make the team relatable to people who weren't sports fans. So like one of the first stories that I, I wrote, um, which is funny because I had to get some help from Gonzaga on it, um, was I had this theory that uh, early in the season that this might be the smartest team in America who, who doesn't suck. You know, I'm not talking about the Harvards. Of course, they're smart, but you know, I mean, Gonzaga Prep could beat them. So, so I, 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 I kind of told Gonzaga I need needs to help, and they helped me put together what the uh, the the numbers were that, that kind of measure that for the NCAA. And sure enough, we get a number one seed that year, and I was able to write a story that said that this was the most intelligent number one seed ever. So, you know, with the headline, "Our team is smarter than your team." And, uh, and that was the stuff that I loved, you know, I, 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 I love that sort of like look into a team that you wouldn't normally get from a sports page, that stuff just, I love it, uh, you know? So that was kind of, I think, how I approached it. I, I'm probably rambling, but you can see how, how I was thinking through all this. No, more no, photos, no. more everything. Yeah, I mean, and I will, I will say this, uh, with my game prep, I read the articles that your your writers and journalists come up with 
you know, religiously to make sure that I kind of have, you know, things uh, squared away in my mind on my prep. And I think what you've done with, with the, the coverage of Gonzaga has been awesome. And I know fans here in town appreciate it and love it um, because it's so in-depth. And it, it has your game stories, but also has your unique angles like you mentioned. So I want to ask you a, a loaded question. Oh, boy. You're a Kansas Jayhawk fan through and through. You are yeah. now a, 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 what we like to call a, a Spokey. You live in Spokane. You must be a Gonzaga fan. So, you, you know, it's, before. Who's, your, who's your big love right now, Kansas or GU? So uh, it's harder because you, 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 uh, I get to watch more Gonzaga games, mostly because I, I you know, it's, it's also my job, but, you know, I watch every broadcast, I, you know, uh, before COVID shut everything down, you know, I would go to the games, at, you know, with my press pass so I could see the atmosphere, what would change. And in that process, Dan, you begin to um, understand the players more and the people associated with the program. And uh, whereas right now, I couldn't tell you the starting lineup at KU if you, if, if, if you forced me to. So, so because of that familiarity, I, I would feel more comfortable. I, I can tell you more about Gonzaga's current team and more about Kansas's history. Um, uh, I can tell you that I, I, uh, I, th I think that Gonzaga is, is, is easily the best team in the country right now. I mean, I, I've seen those amazing teams at Kansas and even those didn't have the depth that I see right now. And, and it's wild because depth in college basketball has really changed. I mean, because you have so many players who are kind of one and done and it just feels different to me, you know, where, and, and even the, the players who aren't seniors at Gonzaga, like Timmy, uh, uh, they, feel, they feel like to me, like they play like grown men compared to these other players. There's just something, the depth of that team is nuts. You know, I, I, I kind of believe that the, the second five off their bench could be ranked. I mean, it's just a really good team this year. It's, it's powerful. Well, I love how you've become a, a transplant. You are a Zag fan now. You are a, a, someone who's a true Spokenite. So it's great to hear that um, because I would agree. You know, obviously, GU is a better team. The history of Kansas is so fun uh, to yeah. just dive into and look at. Uh, last couple things I want to touch on before I let you go. Um, we first came in contact uh, working um, together on some ideas for, for Scorebook Live. We're now rebranded as SB Live, and we've continued to, to grow what we do. Um, I work on our media side with podcasts, stories, articles. We've got a number of journalists uh, that cover hyper-local sports media. Um, when we first met, we were talking about the technology side that we've continued to enhance and grow. As someone who is the editor of a newspaper, and you've seen, and I hate to say it because it's your passion, it's what you love, the demise of the local newspaper sure, yeah. for high school sports. Many of our listeners have a true passion and love for high school sports. Can you share a little bit about why that has happened in the way it has and sure. how SB Live has such an opportunity to kind of fill that void? So, you know... Uh... That, that's a great question. And, and the answer is a little bit weird because a lot of people will tell you, will, will say uh, that, you know, the internet destroyed newspapers. And 
they're kind of right, not right for the reasons they think of. You know, if you look at uh, the average, advertising is what paid for newspapers in the past. I mean, when you were subscribing, that didn't do anything. It was, it was his advertising. And if you look to his advertising, a lot of them are gone now. You know, Sports Authority is gone. You know, Rite Aid and Walgreens merged. Uh, Sears is closed. I mean, you look at all these big advertisers and they're gone. And, and a big reason why they're gone is because of the internet. It's because, you know, Amazon and those things have pushed them out. So in this weird way, the internet really did kill newspapers, just not in the way that you think it did. And so, so at newspapers, they, they use metrics, like this percentage of their total revenue goes to its news operation, you know? Did, well, as that would get smaller, it, you would make decisions based upon uh, what, what things were important to that newspaper. You know, newspapers are a lot like college teams in the sense that they don't all run the same. Some care more about offense and some care more about defense, you know, they're different. So every, every newspaper would do it a little differently. Um, but in most cases, everybody knew high school sports uh, was something that made it special, but the audience was small but passionate and it changed over every four years. So, so it, it's a hard thing to get right because I mean, it's just hard. And uh, so you, you, they would make decisions on what they would do. Well, the first thing that newspapers kind of started getting rid of was all the box scores. And that was the thing that drove me the most crazy. I mean, it, we, we still run these massive box scores more, more than any newspaper in the state. Um, and we have a fleet of callers who come in to take the calls from the coaches. Um, but for me, um, I don't, as, as somebody who's built a lot of websites, I, I, I've always said, we have to do the things that we have to let people do the things that people do well and let computers do the thing that computers do well. So when I first saw how Scorebook Live was working, you know, it, it became obvious to me that if, if it could have mass, if it could be in all the schools, then that school, the, the, the resources we spent taking phone calls, we could make go away and instead have them write more stories about the volleyball team. You know, you only have a certain amount of resources. So for me, it was if this scorebook live thing really works, the, the, the well, that's not true. It, the software works already. Does it get in as many school gyms as possible and school fields? Then all of a sudden, you've got this resource that, that, that you could use to do all the box scores, get all these kids' names, uh, and, and at the same time, free up resources to do uh, the stories. So that's kind of how I've always thought it, you know, like everything, that's, it's easy to say, it's a lot harder to get done. Uh, all newspapers are owned by different people. And, you know, so, and, you know, and some people are like, oh, I'm never gonna work with an outsider. Well, for me, it's if it, if it improves how our, 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 how I can serve my readers, then I don't care where I get it from. I love it because you have been a big supporter of what we've been working on for a number of years. Um, now, this is the last question I have before I let you go. A couple of years ago, it looked like Gonzaga was going to have an undefeated regular season. You guys printed yeah. out thousands yeah. of I believe it was front page under yeah. seasons. Are there any plans for that this year? No. So it's really wild. It's that 
newspapers always do this. I mean, if you've ever watched the Super Bowl or an NBA, uh, you see the players holding the paper. It's because they, they, they have done this. Now, how they typically do it is they do a very small run. And, 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 and it's kind of wild. You have to sneak them in. You, <laughs> so, so you like you have 10 of them in your photographer's bag or something. Well, we, we had said, well, what if, what if there could be this, but for everybody who's in the kennel? So it was, and it was a weird situation because we had to go through all, we had to get approvals we've never had to get before because it was going to be distributed inside an arena. And, uh, and when it was all said and done, we had done such a good job of keeping it a secret, but there's these, these, uh, there's our program that moves our newspaper over to the web so that people who don't live here can look at the pages. Didn't know that this wasn't supposed to run on this day. It, just said we put this on the press last night and so it ends up on our digital edition and i mean we're all freaking out because none of us even thought about that totally embarrassed get it pulled down but at that moment the cat was out of the bag and, and you know interesting enough we still kind of tried to go through it with it and 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 and, and what you know byu ends up beating gonzaga and ruining that and uh and and i remember a person from uh Gonzaga come to me and said, you know, I'm, I'm not, not a superstitious person. I'm, I'm, I'm maybe a little stitious, but not superstitious. But uh, do, do you think that newspaper had anything to do with it? And, and I said, I, I don't think so, because you had me camped out in a locker room that no one uses, filled with t-shirts that said undefeated, filled with banners that said undefeated. You did the same thing. You all, you know, you, everybody was preparing for this. You know, one of my uh, things that made my heart drop during uh, the, the most recent Super Bowl was somebody posted a picture at a grocery store in Kansas City with a box that said shirts for when Kansas City wins Super Bowl. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, now, now we're not going to win it. So, so it's totally stressful. A am I doing it this year? No. Uh, you know, I, you know I, I, like, like I said, uh, I, I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. So, you know, there, there's this odd chance for history to be made. It, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I may be the only person in Spokane who was rooting against uh, Gonzaga playing Baylor. I, I didn't want it to happen because I thought, how amazing would it be for two undefeateds to meet? And that's way more interesting than what could happen at a December game. You know, I mean, we're talking about history that we've never seen before. Uh, so, uh, you know. No, there's no there's no papers being printed. No. All right. Good to know. And I'm right there with you. I'm hoping that Gonzaga and Baylor are both undefeated and we have an epic title game. I think that would be great. And it would also be great because there's a lot of uh, common ties between both programs. Guys mm -hmm. that have been assistant coaches or players at GU are now at um, at Baylor. And, and assistant coaches at Gonzaga are very well connected uh, to the Drew family as well. So, Rob, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully our listeners learned as much as I have because it's always great and fascinating talking with you. It's always great talking to you, Dan. Have a good day. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. The number one podcast network or professional.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.